Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you as always. Now, those who want to purchase a You Could Spend Pesach with Mr. Honline gift for Hanukkah for somebody, where would they be sending somebody for Pesach this year? Well, this is the first uh, announcement that I will be going <laughs> to Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Wow. So those who, who want to go, just email join us at Pesach in Vallarta, V-A-L-L-A-R-T-A dot com. And uh, the first ones who do and mention Nachum Siegel oh. will get some very special treats nice. in their rooms and elsewhere. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's a, it's a really special program. And they can call them at uh, 786-290-5919, I think, if I remember, was the uh, phone number. But it's a, it's a really special program, and I'm really pleased. And waiting for them to have announced it, so I understand they're going to announce it, so I'm feeling free to, to do the same. Um, but it's a, a very good program, and it's easy to get to, surprisingly. Uh, I know that there are a lot of good programs around, but... They're those that have the extra touches. So. Have you ever uh, have you ever spent Pesach in Mexico before? I, I did once, uh, and a wonderful program run by Monty Cohen also, um, and uh, very special. But uh, it's been a while since since I did. I've been on the West Coast for most of the years because uh, the weather is always good and you're guaranteed the nice weather then. Now, you do agree with me that this would be an amazing Hanukkah gift, right? You do agree with me. Nothing if, better. That if Sunday night someone turned to their family and said, hey, guess what? We're going to be with the home lines in Puerto Vallarta. That would be a pretty amazing Hanukkah gift. And there will be a lot of very special people coming, speaking, and um, and uh, participating. They even have a... a um, um, it's really it's making smoked meats with it from the firewood barbecue around the clock. My <laughs> gosh, I'll tell you. you know what? So they told people start dieting now, so you can eat Pesach. You know? Yeah, that's usually the rule. Actually, it's a good <laughs> rule. Till Pesach, but I, you to... you know, I'm just going to say I would postpone that until after the sufganiyot and all the delicious food that's coming up starting on uh, Sunday night. Well, it's a, a time of miracles, um, and. Uh, Last week, we had an opportunity to uh, discuss one of the miracles, which is, of course, the Becca coin that we referenced from the First Temple era. I think there are a couple of other miracles, and again, people may think that I should put these in uh, quotation marks with the word miracle. But anyway, uh, have you seen that? And by the way, this is a real thing. I know a lot of soccer fans based in Israel who Dafka went to the World Cup this year knowing they wouldn't be able to go in 2022 because the World Cup's in Qatar. Did you see that Qatar has announced that they are going to accommodate Israelis to come and enjoy the World Cup in 2022? I certainly did, and it was an issue we raised with them when I was there and pressed them about. But uh, they're going to be given full rights. It's not just that the Israelis were participate, because in the past they were allowed to, but they weren't allowed to play the anthem and they weren't allowed to show the flag. But FIFA itself came under tremendous pressure uh, after the last... Uh, the discriminatory practices in the past, and it was something that uh, was supposedly to be demanded and, and in keeping with FIFA rules, but not observed. This time, the announcement coming, you know, well in advance, 
and giving him the chance. And it's and it's part of of the pattern of what we've seen yep. with the presence of Chad. Yep. Um, Muslim-majority country, talk about Sudan and Mali and others uh, uh, joining uh, in this remarkable change. The um, the fact that the, the Hatikva was played in the UAE and else, elsewhere with the Grand Slams and the um, um, projected visits of others and of the Prime Minister perhaps to Bahrain and as well as to, uh, to Chad. So it, it, people don't see this as an incredible, I don't know if these are miracles, but they certainly are. How do the ordinary and those who define miracles, you know, ordinary right. things happening in extraordinary ways? This is certainly true that it's uh, the, the confluence of all these things coming uh, at one time is really quite remarkable. Yeah, our predecessors would certainly look at, the, at these types of things as miraculous, that's for sure. Yes, uh, uh, people even 50 years ago or right. 10 years ago, exactly. I think, would have said who were all predicting and writing about Am Yishkon, that Israel you know, will be alone and they're going to have to face uh, all these challenges. They face very serious challenges, we know it, but you see the United States is, is pressing um, about the archives, we see, and also about oh. the, trying to block the ICC. I, I'm so Israel. glad you brought this up, because last week I didn't get an opportunity uh, we had run out of time before I had the chance to recommend to everybody in this audience to check out that Ynet article uh, about the clandestine mission in uh, Iran that got all those documents and all those archives and all those CDs and all that evidence out of Iran. And it involved dozens of people. You know, like I'm saying to myself as I'm reading it, you know, <laughs> don't they have cameras and security guards and, and you know, uh, cards that you need to actually, you know, enter certain areas, secure areas, et cetera, et cetera. It is unbelievable. Again, miracle, no miracle, call it what you wish. But it's unbelievable what the Israelis did and what the Israeli intelligence did in order to get that material out of Iran. And then the IEA, until now, the International Atomic Energy Agency, yeah, this is outrageous. Agency, this is outrageous. Has, has ignored. Yeah, the that's findings. unbelievable. You know, the United States now is, is is accusing the Iranians of failing to disclose chemical weapons that they developed and 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 the. Um, equipment, the projectiles in order to carry it a longer distance, and that, that they, the efforts they made to keep this program for banned toxic munitions. And, and again, the United States is expressing concern, and everybody else is just looking at it. Here you have documentation that till 2003 they were manufacturing at least five nuclear warheads, that they kept in place so much of the infrastructure and all of the plans, and yet the IEA was was ignoring it. So the United States has now joined Israel in, in pressing for them to to uh, do it. And we see Iran violating in so many ways, you know, the the uh, agreements and the understandings and and den- their denials are proving to be so as false as we've all claimed them to be. Now there are cargo planes flying from Tehran to Beirut. We've seen pictures of them, in fact, where they're unloading equipment. They're bypassing uh, Syria. Uh, using civilian aircraft, which is why the people who complained about the uh, why why we included civilian aircraft parts in the sanctions, it's because they use them for military purposes. They're not they don't keep it to uh, you know to to some sort of a se- separation between the civilian and and the military equipment. I mean that's the way they operate, right. it, it, it's, and uh, it's, it's it's really quite remarkable that nothing done with it. it it's at unbe- least read it at least. 
you it's, know, it's un- and, and, at, 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 and they don't visit the sites then. At least watch the video of the prime minister's speech to at least get an idea of how voluminous the material is. I mean, it's insane. Um, and by the way, I mean, I guess it's obvious not to reveal. I mean, I don't think this is really a secret. If you read the article, I think it's obvious that they, the Israeli intelligence basically had to gain the trust of God knows how many people who work at the facility, right? I mean, I would assume that they had no choice because, because again, because of what I cited earlier, you can't, it's hard to infiltrate these types of secure locations these days. They, they probably had to establish relationships and, and and trust with with God knows how many people who actually work there. I would assume. Am I right about that? They had to have done many remarkable things. I heard that they built a tunnel from Jerusalem all the way underneath <laughs> through through Jordan through everything Iraq into Iran. I don't believe that that's true. Right. But there are many things in this uh, in this regard that are quite uh, uh, remarkable. And I don't know when we know the real story. Um, but then again, you know, the French and the German this week announced that they were going to establish some sort of a right. economic special vehicle, you know, to bypass the, the sanctions. sanctions yeah. We know it's going to fail because on the same day, Deutsche Telekom announced that they cut off Bank Melli, which is a bank we've talked about in the past because it fronts for the government, and uh, th- that the... Um, uh, the bank is now in the virtual paralysis, according to its people there working there. And the you see the impact of the sanctions across the board. Yep. And yet the French and German, after we hear that Tehran was planning terrorist attacks against them, including in France. In their, right, in their countries, own country, right? It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, you just, you, you, you can't, you can't uh, completely fathom the logic and the thinking uh, uh, behind it. And, and you see the the um, new efforts with the, uh, of Iran backing on the borders of Israel on the Golan to put two units, one each of ten thousand men, one along the Golan border, one along the Iraqi border. These are trained by the Iran Revolutionary Guard uh, special forces. They're under their command. They're there in Syrian army uniforms, which is permitted because the Iranians are supposed to be fifty kilometers away. Though they don't abide by that too, they're led by IRGC uh, people and uh, and trained. The purpose, of course, will be to penetrate, to to damage, and to um, you know attack Israel. And they say it. Right. Syrian general said we're very close to the liberation of of the Golan. And so Iran continues all of its nefarious activities, and every dollar that goes there goes not to the people. And the people are increasingly expressing frustration with the government. We've seen, even in the last few days, really incredible uh, challenges to the government uh, of uh, of Iran on the uh, because of the deteriorating uh, conditions. And here they're investing in order to, and they're saying they're going to build factories, uh, additional factories in Lebanon. We know that they have somewhere they do assembly and put these um, guidance systems on the missiles. And Iran and Hezbollah has between 100 and 150,000. We don't know how many are operational, but many, and they're giving them more advanced stuff. And the targets are now Damona and Ben Gurion Airport and and uh, other key facilities. And if they have the guidance system, so uh, they will they will have a greater chance of hitting it. And for those who don't who question it, they found yesterday and overnight parts of a of a Syrian missile fired at Israeli planes. Um, and landed in the Golan. Wow. 
That, that, that should tell you enough, huh? That's exactly right. Um, all right. A couple of small things before we get to the CNN poll, which obviously a lot of listeners want to hear your reaction to. Um, any update from Airbnb? I, I, don't think, I don't think I've read anything significant in terms of a reaction from them um, uh, you know, toward all the hoopla last week. Have you seen anything significant one way or the other? So we have written to Brian Chesky, who is the uh, head of Airbnb, and I hope others have. We, we've been in touch with key people across the board in this regard. And the amazing thing is that they have not responded uh, wow. to this and to the charges. There are several lawsuits in the making, some here, some in the uh, – there's one already brought a class action suit in the Jerusalem District Court uh, against them and, and again, uh, talking about the discriminatory um, nature of the, of the move and part of the you know, long war against uh, Israel. Uh, and the BDS movement and, and singling out a single a particular population. Uh, I hope that we will hear from uh, governors and others about it. The governors of Illinois and Florida have both said already, that, and the governor-elect in Florida, that they will apply the uh, BDS legislation. 26 states have it. Many of them will prevent investment when Airbnb goes public next year, as they intend to, um, that they will not be, the pension funds and others will not be able to invest in it, which is a huge amount of money when you realize that the pension funds are some of the biggest investors in the country. The, the, um, uh, the fact that they have not responded to, to it, although there have been uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, there are people who have come out and spoken about it, um, but it was something forced upon them by the PA. Cybercats letters go back to 2016. They fell into this trap and and know that the economic impact is is not going to be that great right. on, on 100 people. The problem is the precedent that it sets. So for those who say, you know, so what? So the, you know, there are other services that they can use. No, once you establish the precedent, once they can get away with it, it becomes the... Um, the order of the day for in, in the future, and mm-hmm. then it'll spread to other places. And the, the liberties that are being taken, you don't see Airbnb saying we're not going to deal with the PA because it's sentence people to death for selling land to Jews. They're cracking down against people. They've arrested one uh, Palestinian-American, Isam Akel, who, who supposedly sold land in East Jerusalem to, and it's legal. I mean, it's his land, his property or something, and it had just happened to be a Jewish buyer. They, they uh, rounded up people and arrested them uh, for, for being involved in the sale of, of properties. Yet that doesn't bother um, the, the Airbnb people. So it's such a, a discriminatory move. The economic impact is not the criteria. It's a principle, and it's the precedent. Aren't you a little surprised that there isn't more... Uh... A talk of boycott when it comes to Eurovision. The Eurovision uh, event is going to be in Israel, and I, I haven't heard or, or read anything about countries, you know, saying they would stay away from Israel because it's being hosted by Israel. Um, is it sort of a little bit still, still under the radar? Are you a little surprised that there hasn't been more of a of a reaction of uh, countries who would not want to come because it's being hosted by Israel? That, um then the more conferences and are not boycotted, you mean? Yeah, I just thought that, that you'd, you know, already... Well, because this is breaking down. We see it. Look look at uh, just... And why I started off by mentioning all the countries just in the last week and, you know, elements, of, let alone, I didn't go through all the visitors, all the people who, who, right. who are doing things. Michael Pierce of the Ravens, you know, on this, uh, what's it, your cleats, your... Uh, the yeah, the, fo- that, the football uh, cleats. The NFL has special... Uh, special footwear. There. 
my uh, my cause, my cleats, it's right. called. And they're playing the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. And he said his cause is going to be Israel. Right. This is a black, non-Jewish player, uh, nose guard at the Ravens, and he's going to have an Israeli flag on his cleats. Right. I get, amazing. I, I get all that, but you know we could cite plenty on the other side as well. That's why I expressed that I was surprised. Yeah, that so we're... We have a guy from who, who appears on CNN regularly as a commentator, as exactly. a professor at Temple University. Right. Extolled as, as a great thinker of our day, if you look at the, some of the stuff on the website. Uh-huh. And he, he, he essentially talks about Israel's destruction. And right. CNN has fired him. Temple University has not moved against him. If, if somebody had done said the same in, in other contexts or in, in other references, they certainly would have acted immediately to suspend, to investigate, to, to look into it. And yet, this is somebody who's lionized. Uh, and and honored, and even after you know he makes these uh, outrageous uh, comments, people should just read the background on it and see what what he actually said in his speech at the United Nations. Yeah, I mean it, was, it sounded like quotes from Hamas, frankly. It was straight out of the worst of the anti-Israel uh, stuff, and that's why people you know who often challenge you know why we react to some of these things. Again, it goes back to the principle and the precedent. Right. It's not just that one individual. It's that you create this climate, as we see on the campuses, with anti-Semitism. And I know we'll talk about some of the studies, oh, yeah. but the the broad nature of the expansion of anti-Semitism everywhere, everywhere, is is something. I just saw the Canadian report, which showed a huge increase in the number of anti-Semitic attacks. And then in one day, you have kids being attacked in three or four different locations. You have a car trying to run over people going to shul in Los Angeles and Toronto, and in, in, in Williamsburg, in, in other places here in the United States. It's a serious issue, and you don't, you don't close your eyes to it. You don't turn away from it. You've got to challenge it and take it seriously. That means both the prophylactic measures we take at our institutions, but we have to be on the offense and exposing, naming, and shaming, and also those, if police or law enforcement don't take the appropriate measures, if governments don't act appropriately, it's imperative that they sign the anti-boycott legislation, and there's going to be new efforts to get legislation that will target specifically the BDS type of discrimination, like we did the Arab boycott many years ago, very effectively. Uh, even though not completely eliminating it, these measures are really important. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmlines with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Hanukkah begins on Sunday night. It's a time of miracles. All right, uh, Malcolm, numbers are funny, as you know. You always point this out. Very often you can uh, get numbers to uh, uh, reach whatever conclusion you want them to. But this poll is very interesting, in many ways scary, etc. 7,000 Europeans are polled by CNN, and according to the poll, 10%, only 10% say they have an unfavorable attitude toward Jews, although that figure rises a bit in both Poland and Hungary. Uh, but then, of course... Um, uh, 20% of all Europeans believe Jews have too much influence over media. 25% say they have too much influence over wars and conflicts. So I, I get the 10% that, that, you know, that have an unfavorable attitude. When it comes to Jewish involvement, too much Jewish power, etc., those numbers go up. So what's your initial reaction to this CNN poll? And people should know, I know that those who poo-poo that particular question about um, 
um, about Influence? the uh, Influence, power right. issue. You know, so they said, so what if they think uh, that the Jews are, are more powerful? What it shows is that the anti-Semitic stereotypes, that, that this is a way of expressing anti-Israel thing. That, and many people talked about eliminating Jews in, in Europe or the, uh, the, the broad-based expressions in that in countries, you know, you have much higher numbers uh, uh, 33% of European Jews in a poll will say that they are worried about being physically assaulted, and that many of them, uh, I think almost 40%, if I'm not mistaken, said that they always or usually uh, avoid wearing a, a, a yarmulke or a Star of David necklace in public, right. and that uh, about 30% had considered emigrating in the last few years. In, in Britain, it goes over 40% if, if uh, Corbyn gets gets elected. And and we know that Jews have been killed in France, I think 10 or 11 in the, in over a decade, and the uh, in other countries and in many places they don't even identify uh, the numbers, but in Great Britain it doubled between 2013 and 2017. And as, as we know, synagogues in Sweden have been firebombed, uh, the harassment, you know, Nazi harassment, um, and the French government itself announced a 69% increase in anti-Semitic incidents over the first nine months of this year. Mm-hmm. So the, the numbers really tell a story, and, it, it, and, they, uh, and the fact that Jews react in this way tells you that the problem is even greater, that 28% of adults say that they have too much influence in business and finance and too much in the media, About 20, I think it was about a fifth, um, and, and remember that, that people don't necessarily tell pollsters because they never know what they really feel. So, but the poll is a large one, 7,000 people yeah, it's is, a lot. is a lot. And blaming the wars and, and, and seeing old tropes and old uh, anti-Semitic things coming to the fore. And then it's manifested, whether it's in actions like the... Um, um, uh, the, the Airbnb or, or the things on campus. And, you know, people say, oh, you tell us bad news, you tell us bad news. It, it's not bad news. It's the reality. The bad news is when you don't know the reality, then people, you know, live in a cocoon and try to deny this. Uh, this. The only way you fight it is is by demonstrating this and, and showing it. And, you know, CNN is not known to be particularly sympathetic in uh, many instances, certainly regarding uh, Israel, and they're talking about this shadow over Europe, and and uh, um, it, it's really an, an incredible uh, manifestation. And you see, you can have a pro-Israel government and engages in very hostile actions on other grounds about the attitude towards Jews and the radical right and and left parties, and you can talk about. You know them taking over and and moving. Uh, you really have to see the statement that Felix Klein, who was the anti-Semitism czar, appointed in, um, Germany. in Germany. And he talks about the appalling uh, nature of what is happening and his assessments uh, of it. So they they talk about more Holocaust education and that um, uh, and then he acknowledged that that helps to combat anti-Semitism. But we know that it's fading, right. well, and that many people just don't want to hear about it. Well, there are a couple of things here. First of all, the, the CNN crowd has a much more difficult time associating anti-Semitism with anti-Israel, you know, compared to us, right? When we, when we, Very good point, right. When we see anti-Israel, we immediately think anti-Zionism, for, I mean, anti-Semitism for good reason, uh, and we understand it's being couched in that in that manner. Here, I would think they would be a little bit, and, and by they meaning, you know, 
let's let's call it Jewish members of CNN with no other category I can think of at the moment. I would think that they would be uh, more, I don't know, frightful, more uh, concerned uh, about a poll like this than about a general anti-Israel poll. I would think this would hit home for them much more. In fact, it was interesting. Uh, there was an accompanying uh, special that was done on CNN, a special report about this poll. And the images and the footage that they used was in terms of what's going on in Europe, was really, really scary. And I would think that that's a a very important point to make, that they don't always see uh, the difference between anti-Israel and, uh, or, or they or rather, uh, yeah, they, they don't, don't see, see the linkage. The linkage, rather, between anti-Israel and anti-Semitism. That's the first point. The other thing is that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> What's the res- what 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 is it that American jury should be thinking at this point? I understand you're saying fight the battle, and you're saying you know how important it is to to get out there and 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 you know try our best to dispel these myths uh, and images uh, about Jews. Uh, but the reality is, it's it's that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I, I frankly was shocked that these numbers weren't higher when it came to Jewish influence and the perception of Jewish influence in important areas. So I don't know if the battle that you're proposing is really a battle that can be won. Well, again, we can do several shows, you know, just on some of the issues that you've raised that are really, you know, vital to all of us. Remember, a lot of the European countries are providing millions of dollars to the groups that that have foment BDS. I mean, they're giving allocations, let alone certain foundations and others, including some affiliated with Soros and uh, that have become public. Uh, but uh, Gilad Erdan, who's the Minister for Strategic Affairs that addresses it, talks about, it, it, it was in Europe, and talks about the, one of the main sources of fundings are the governments of Europe, and the, the, one of the things we can demand is that they stop funding a, any groups that, that promote it and the people who, who are behind it. When, when we continue to see the, the real nature uh, of BDS is not about, uh, you know, some particular policy or something of that nature, it's clear what their what that the goal is the elimination of Israel. The goal is really anti-Semitism. I mean, the objective is anti-Semitism under a different guise that they can get away with. That people not going to hold them to the same account as uh, as they might otherwise do. So it's it's um, you know it, it, it's something that people can't dismiss. And I, I, we can go through all of the. Uh, um, actions that are taken. It's why the sanctions work. It's why all these programs that you bring the message home, there has to be a price to be paid that we can't ignore it. I, I get all that. I'm, I'm just trying to make the point and maybe play devil's advocate that the you know that there are certain perceptions that we know historically are just simply never going to change. And I understand the importance of battling it and I understand the importance of being aware of it, certainly. But I don't know if it's... Uh, I mean, did you see this? 20% of European youth and young adults have never heard of the Holocaust? I mean, yes, that's why I mentioned Holocaust right. education as being important. Uh, uh, but you know what? The number in America won't be any different. It may be even worse. Correct. But, but, but on, but on CNN, they quoted that in Germany. It was it, you know, the, the hub of, of, of Holocaust guilt, I would guess, right? And where, and where Holocaust education is mandated. And yet 20% say they never heard of it. And, and, and don't, and, but I saw a film done interviewing people, college students here, and they asked them, what is Auschwitz? They had no clue. What was Hitler's goal? No clue. And, it, and the difference between those who knew and those who didn't know is in the states which mandate 
Holocaust education. At least they had some idea. They may not have known a lot, but they had some idea. In Pennsylvania, where it isn't, they interviewed students. They had no clue about what happened. And and people will say, well, why do you want to always focus on the back and the end on history? The answer is because you see, you have to look at the lessons, you learn it. Uh, I spoke to somebody who, who lived through through this all, and he, he said to me, I see the signs. I see what I saw, you know, in, in Europe at the time. And, and, and again, it's not a parallel, and it's not the same thing. Uh, and, and we see the positive measures. But there are too many similarities. But you look at this, the lessons of the past. It's what all of Judaism is about, Sechirat, teaching us the lessons, why all the things we learn in Sefer Bereshis that we're reading uh, in, in Shul, we learn from our Abbas Nimaz. We learn about human nature, what, what steps you have to take to how to prepare, as, as Yaakov did, when you face the, your enemies. When I mean, all of these are lessons for us. It's not to get lost in history. It's to create a better future. You know, I mentioned last week how the the coin story came out before Hanukkah, and I told you my you know impression of that. I'm sure the irony was not lost on you that this poll came out right before Hanukkah. Uh, I'm not. The irony of none of this is lost when when you get the discovery of the Beckon again. How many people talked about it? I, I did a briefing for some rabbis, and I asked them, "How many of you spoke about on Shabbos about the discovery of this Becca and its significance? Finding it at the exact place where the base Hamikdash, where they, where people going to the base Hamikdash, being Ola Rego, would have come to to give the Machasis a shekel, the half shekel. You know, people who said, "Well, how could they measure?" You can see it. You can, and it's written on it in mirror writing, but it's written on it in Hebrew, two thousand years old, and and. I, I think people, it's its the best muster, it's the best lesson that you could teach anybody. And the, and the you know, the whole hum response to this is, to me, incredible. Yeah, I, but I'm, I'm saying further, the CNN poll right before Hanukkah, I think, also has an irony to it. Of course it does. And that is, and that is, and I have to say it, that as we progress and as we get further away from the Holocaust and as all these attitudes that are cited in this poll become more and more prevalent, even in the United States, over the next decades, it is important to remember there's nothing more important to the Jewish people than a strong state of Israel. Simple. And the other message from Hanukkah is that we've overcome our enemies and that that the second bracha that in those days in our time, how can it be both? The answer is that the miracles of old are happening. We just ignore them. We don't, we don't get inspired by them. And the lesson of Maccabee was that you stand up against it. You don't just capitulate and say, well, anti-Semitism is human nature. Anti-Semitism has always been present with us. No, that's not the answer to, to this. And holding elected officials to account, demanding that the proper steps be taken. I know NYPD, others here in New York, people look at it and they, you know, they see the tremendous actions that are being taken, the positive measures, um, and the legislation around the country and the the steps that. I mean, it's truly remarkable. I don't know that there is a parallel in history to to the kind of responses that we get here. By the way, speaking of legislation, is Rand Paul in fact uh, actively blocking U.S. military aid to Israel? He is holding up the military aid bill. Uh, he has a couple of issues. Um, he says, and, and remember to somebody very close to the president, that uh, he thinks they should be time-limited, and um, uh, he doesn't want any assistance to the Palestinians. But it is, a, it is a problem right now with getting the bill through. Interesting. 
And uh, we haven't discussed over the last couple of weeks, I never got to it, the uh, announcement by uh, the Prime Minister of Germany that she'll be leaving her post, um, Angela Merkel. Is it true that she convinced the leader of Romania not to move the embassy to Jerusalem? It is true that uh, European leaders, including Germany, lobbied the East European countries who are inclined to do so. And, and again, another visitor this past week was the president of the Czech Republic, who opened Jerusalem House because of the pressure brought to bear in, in Jerusalem House, which will be doing things like promoting trade, many things that an embassy would do. But he said that it's a precursor to putting an embassy. But acknowledged the pressure brought to bear on them, on Romania and others who were prepared to move, uh, the Central European and, and uh, East European countries who wanted to do it and came under tremendous pressure from the uh, Europe, from France and Germany in particular, I think, to, to uh, not to do it. Uh, they also decided, um, because of uh, Holland or, or another country that was blocking this uh, the legislation that, that was uh, European support for the legislation, I, I think that the... Um, the answer is yes, and her removal is is part of a pattern uh, that we've been discussing about the loss of the center in Europe, mm-hmm. and it's going to it's Europe wide. I think that the 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 growth of the extremes, um, again, a lesson for us here, and Jews uh, tend to be in the center. We 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 look at balance. It's not so much ideological. Um, you know, and the labels, it's it's the uh, policies and the the need for stability and law and order, but in uh, as well as humanitarian concerns, whatever the agenda is. But the loss of the center in Europe is so apparent, and and I don't know that you'll have another Macron or another May, even. Uh, you know, the people talk about the the po- prospect of a, of a Corbyn prime ministership and forty percent of. British Jews say, well, if that would happen, they would consider leaving a country. That, that's a sad commentary, but more sad is that, that somebody who espouses the kind of views that he does could be still considered a likely candidate to be prime minister. Yeah. The political EU is on its way out. It's going to be a footnote to history, even if it officially stays together. But it's just uh, with, with, with all the extremes being, um, uh, being successful, if in fact it does happen you know, in, in, in future elections, that whole center that you described is going to be irrelevant. And the political cooperation, I would guess, between the European countries would only start to dissolve in that situation, right? It, it has. We've seen the, the signs of it. Right. And um, uh, that that should be disturbing to everybody. I mean, why Europeans don't feel it, that, and many young Europeans are just leaving. And you see in the polls how many of them talk about uh, about leaving that's why I was so surprised that she was so desperate to uh, kill the whole Brexit thing. Didn't you think that it was a... Uh... Well, it was the expression of the people that did a, a, a referendum, so she came up with a, a more moderate version, I think, than right. what was originally intended, because they, they understand the cost and the economics uh, are very important there. Yeah, I get that. Uh, who's rearming Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon? Is that Iran? It is Iran, and they are flying, as I said, the, the direct flights that appear to be taking hold. Also, Israel, as you know, hit uh, something outside of Damascus or near Damascus uh, last night. Probably a, an arms depot going uh, and weapons going to the um, to the north and uh, transshipping, and that's why they're now trying to use uh, what planes they have left, Iran, uh, that is, uh, to fly weapons directly 
to Beirut and to build the facilities in Lebanon to be able to outfit the missiles and stuff directly, so minimizing the opportunities for Israel to intercept. And then and we have to remember, again, that the, uh, the the IDF is concerned on so many different fronts now, we don't even realize. Someone described to me what's going on just on the Gaza border right now, mm-hmm. um, this week, um, uh, because I, I, I said you're, you're going down with so much material, they're bringing, you know, clothing and food and different things for Hanukkah to the soldiers in the south, and they said to me, you don't realize how many thousands of soldiers are down here at the moment. You don't, you know, just because there's no, no, you know, activity that you're hearing about, you don't realize what Israel has to do to secure that border at this point. It just gives you a perspective that this is happening on multiple fronts, obviously. And, uh, and these young people are stationed there for long periods yeah. of time. And the cost to Israel, you have to think about. And, and people say, you know, firing the Iron Dome, that each time they fire it, I think it costs fifty or $100,000, you know, to intercept. And Israel, you know, will do whatever it needs to do to protect the citizens. But it cost the Hamas $100 to launch one of these crude weapons, even though they're coming with more sophisticated ones, but still the minimal cost. And the um, the uh, Israelis have to maintain this whole infrastructure. Um, and you know that today is November 29th. It's well, yesterday. Palestine Day. Yesterday. Pardon me? Yeah, yesterday. I mean, tough, yesterday tough was over, November 29th. But that new end today, I think that they are ah. commemorating it. And, and uh, you know, people, I would guarantee you that if you would go around and ask most people, <laughs> you know, talking about Jews, what November 29th, November, what, what the significance was, very few people. We, we played that think, game all morning we were, yesterday. But we remember today the Jewish refugees from Arab countries. Yep. You know, the 900,000, the real refugee issue, much larger, and the... Um, uh, and often forgotten. That's for sure. You know, usually I turn to you for a Hanukkah message, but I got to share this one with you this year. Um, Rabbi Kanelsky, who you know, of course, was with us yesterday. I keep referencing that anybody who would like to enhance their Hanukkah lighting for this coming Sunday night should listen to the conversation I had with him yesterday on the air. He described, he left, remember, as a young kid in 1970, he left Russia and he described what it was like living there uh, in secret, never having seen sunlight for two years because he never left the house. And the sacrifice made for two reasons. Number one, uh, that the, the children in his family should have a Jewish education and be raised as uh, Torah-observant Jews. And, of course, the sacrifice to perform the mitzvos that, uh, you know, that need to be performed, obviously have to be done, uh, uh, you know, undercover, so to speak, i.e. the lighting of the Hanukkah, the lighting of the menorah this coming Sunday night. And I said to him, I said, you know, you have to join me in in reminding everyone listening about two messages. Number one, the sacrifice we as parents have to make to make sure that our kids have a Jewish education, because Malcolm, you know the future of the Jewish people. I always talk physically how it's in the state of Israel, but of course, heritage-wise, tradition, spiritually is all about Jewish education. I know you agree with that, of course. Absolutely. And the second is that as we light on Sunday night, and believe you me, we have a we have a luxurious situation compared to most Jews around the world, and certainly compared to how he grew up in Russia. Uh, we should remember that we shouldn't take it for granted, and we should remember that the uh, uh, incredible light of Hanukkah is everywhere in this country. I mean, the entire country here in the United States acknowledges Hanukkah and the miracle and the Hanukkiyot that you see all over the place, which are so. Amazing, and you were you you paid visits, um, and, you know, at that time to uh, you know to places behind the Iron Curtain. You know what Jews were going through to observe mitzvahs like this. I think it's an important thing to remember this coming Sunday night. 
Absolutely. And the fact that so many have come home and that, you know, the miracles of old are happening. We just have to recognize it and appreciate it. And I think people will find it uh, a lot to be inspired about, that the miracles of old, of Robin Biad Martin uh, and, and um, uh, the, the, it's not a military victory that we celebrate, but the pure overcoming the impure, the few overcoming the many, the righteous overcoming uh, the evil, those miracles are happening. It's sometimes hard to see, but it's happening. Yeah. And we're living through it. We have to recognize it and appreciate it. And part of that is that with all the criticism people may have of Israel, to remember its significance and centrality and the miracles we have here in this country of having the infrastructure and all the wonderful things, not to take it for granted. 100%. Unique in Jewish history. Future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Let's keep that in mind during this holiday of Hanukkah. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thank you so much. Wishing you a wonderful Shabbos and a happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah and Chodesh Tov and all of the good things that are coming up. Amen.